millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome to the Writer's Routine Podcast. This is the show where we learn about how successful writers work. I guess the theory is that that should help you out with the book kicking around your head one day. Uh, We've got a bit of a different one, actually, today. We've got an illustrator on the show who learned how to write to make his own picture book. Now, his name is Richard Graham, and we talk about the difficulties of writing a book that's only got around 100 words in it, uh, why different artists express their thoughts and their ideas using different methods, and also why sometimes if you're struggling, it's better to just walk away. Being respectful of the creative process and allowing yourself time to breathe and also coming back to the work with the fresh, fresh eyes is really important. And I don't think it's a good idea to kind of force yourself to be creative. It's not really a job. It doesn't feel like a job. I kind of feel like it's like a a safety space for me. And it's a nice place to come every day. Yeah, just make stuff. Stay there. It's all on the way on this week's Writer's Routine. So this is our last show before Christmas and New Year. And I think the fact we're so close to Christmas is probably reflected in my voice. Yeah, I got a little bit of Christmas party voice going on now. So sorry about that. Bear with me. The show is definitely worth sticking around for. It's a different take on everything you've heard on Writer's Routine so far. Anyway, we'll talk more about our guests in just a sec. Uh, My name is Dan Simpson. Uh, Thanks for being there. I just want to say, because it's our last one before Christmas and New Year, uh, where we take a few weeks off, we'll be back with more in 2018. Why don't you use that time to give, like me, a little Christmas present, I guess, and someone else's as well, and let them know about the podcast. If you're a writer and you're in a group or or you know someone else that's struggling to get a book out of their mind and down onto paper, why don't you tell them about writer's routine? Also, you can let people that you don't know know about this show. Uh, Just get on the iTunes podcast store and leave us a review because it really helps with the chart on there. And it's so easy as well. Just open it up, find writer's routine and type in a few nice words. Five stars would really help as well. Uh, And it would give me a lovely little Christmas treat. Just get on the iTunes podcast store and leave writer's routine a review. So today on the show, we've got the writer and illustrator Richard Graham. He's an artist who upcycles old unwanted furniture, bikes, detritus, bric-a-brac and other stuff like that to make art. And using that art, he then makes a story. 
and, and he brings it to life using animation and drawing and ultimately writes a kid's picture books. Now, you see, in the day job, I see a lot of kids' books. And Richard's work, The Cranky Caterpillar, it's honestly just one of the best books I've ever opened. As soon as I lifted the first page, my, I was just blown away by what I saw in front of me. And you can hear what it's about in the chat. It's a stunning work, though, because it's kind of dark and shadowy, and it moves into light and just beautiful colour. And I don't really know anything about art. But I can say that I've never seen kind of sketch work and an idea of a story like this being presented in that way on the page. Now, if you're an author and you're a little bit sceptical about how an, an artist and illustrator's view of writing can help you out, Richard does talk about the skill of being concise and fitting a story into a hundred words, which is what you need to do with a kid's picture book. And I really think that is transferable uh, across all methods of storytelling. I honestly think you could kind of cut half off of any book that I've read, TV show, film that I've seen, and it would only make it better. So I think that is really helpful for everyone. Now, today's Distinguished Diary, it's the working routine of an Academy Award-winning screenwriter who almost has to chain himself to the desk to get to work. That's on the way first. Let's get into our chat then with Richard Graham, artist and illustrator, with his writer's routine. To be honest, I don't actually see myself as a writer. I kind of see myself as an illustrator sculptor um, who has happened to do uh, a few courses at school, like English literature, and also did creative writing uh, for a master's. But when I was doing that, I always had in the back of my mind, I'm doing this because I want to write picture books if you don't see yourself as naturally being a writer, because I think writing a picture book is probably a lot tougher than many people think it is. But, but let's kind of get back to the way you create then. Talk me through an average day. Okay. From the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, when you're sitting down to do something creative, to work and to write in that as well. Okay. For instance, the, la- the, the book that I'm working on at the moment, I, it's called Mr. Make, and the story is based on on him and he's a chap who works and makes things in a workshop so in my studio I'll make like a pretend workshop or a pretend cafe and start drawing from that and then I think because because of the way picture books work they are so entwined with the words you know there's a there's a crossover between when you look at the picture and when you look at the writing and, and which part of that is the directive isn't always the words. So you might see something happen in the pictures that kind of eggs along the next sentence in the in the words kind of thing. And I think that's why picture books are difficult because you can't just write a story where the words show exactly what's going on in the picture because that would be a bit boring. You want the viewer to be able to kind of interpret what's going on we're sat here in your studio, kind of King's Crossway, and we're upstairs at the moment, downstairs. Uh, you walk me through this swarming, acrid smell kind of filled my nose as you had done your work down there. Now we're upstairs in your kind of office-y thing. Yeah. How do you partition your brain in a day to, to change between doing the more creative stuff and then getting up here and doing all the other admin that you need to do? Yeah. Um, well, basically, I've got different hats that I put on, uh, not physical hats, just um yeah just different ways of thinking i think I mean, I, and also it's quite difficult to always be creative i think it's a bit of a um you know when you're sitting on the toilet you're not you're not always like being creative you know obviously you've just got to get into the frame of mind and be 
in the mood to be creative like if you've got a hangover or something or you're not feeling very well then it's very difficult to be creative for me I think that's I, I, I someone like Jean-Michel Basquiat who enjoyed being well I don't think he enjoyed being inebriated but was you know that was a power drive for his creativity um, for me oh, I feel like I need to feel really fresh and and also yeah mornings are quite good for me like that's you know I think how I work and tend to burn out at the end of the day. So talk to me about that time then. So what, yeah. what time are you starting your most productive part of work if you say it's in the morning? Normally about nine o'clock. So we're actually eating to my creativity. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is great. This is fine. Um, I uh, normally come in and um, at the moment I'm, I'm working quite, I'm sort of about two thirds of the way into this story. So I'm doing a lot of the um, picture but work like the illustrations um, so I'll come in set up the scene and then try and fiddle, fiddle around with the scene for quite a while and then take a step back from, from the scene and start drawing from it and just keep on making lots of illustrations and then pick the best ones scan them in put them into Photoshop kind of make them look even better than they you know play around with the tonal um, quality of them and stuff like that then add them into the to the main kind of book format, which is a program called InDesign, and then um, fiddle around with the design of the picture book in that way. So the, there are lots of like hurdles and processes. The Cranky Caterpillar is um, about a little girl who hears a strange noise coming from another room, and she goes in and sees the piano is playing by itself. So she further investigates and finds a caterpillar a ginormous caterpillar who's very cranky playing music inside the piano and uh she sets about going around trying to improve his mood that's what the general gist of the story is and how did it come into existence because if you say that primarily you're an artist and you're an illustrator and then the writing kind of happened secondary to that talk to me about how the story became a thing so it's slightly um, backward I made the sculptures first that are in the story um, and then they were all sitting in my studio and I felt like they needed something else so I, I started making a story about them and I thought the, the caterpillar lended itself quite well to a story because the caterpillar is made out of all the piano the insides of a piano all the hammers and um, I just thought it looked like a a caterpillar so I said about making a story like a musical story uh, and obviously the the caterpillar turns into the classics you know butterfly story so it's it is dark but it has a good ending which I think is important and why did you start making those sculptures then if you had no real idea at the time they would become the story where did those pieces come from so I've been making object sculptures for quite a long time um perhaps i don't know maybe seven eight nine maybe even ten years now um and i just i don't know when i'm walking on the street or i'm in a junkyard or something i always like to kind of look at things differently and imagine what they could like be interpreted as and then putting them all together problem solving making making sculptures out like generally my my muse is animals and birds and um, mammals and stuff like that so I generally look to see what what object how objects could be interpreted into those kind of forms 
Um, and, I do, and I really like the idea of upcycling things, things like um, transforming into new, a, a new meaning. Um, and I guess it all kind of comes from the influence of like studying like people like Marcel Duchamp at a university where he kind of uses the found object as a medium for making art. And that's, yeah, that's where it all kind of stems from, really. So you've made your sculptures. You've got the idea that you want this musical story with a happy ending, caterpillar morphing into butterfly. Then what do you do when you write it down? I know that sounds a really, really laymanly easy question, and it sounds like it's so stupid that you could answer it in a sentence. But it's quite tough, I find, to to make sure the story that you're telling is, is clear, it's concise... Uh, and it's it's readable how, yeah. how are you making sure your story is all of those things um well i think that it's all about process and you start with the idea and you m- write down a rough kind of story and make sure that it's got all the the right kind of um structure to it so you know you need a you need a problem at the beginning you need a a narrative arc you need a crescendo um and it's all about plotting out the different because obviously with picture books you need to write spreads so you'll write a sentence and then you can write um underneath it what you envisage to have going on in the picture which might influence the next sentence yeah it's about right getting all of that down on paper and then polishing it up, just keep spending time on it, keep on working at it. And I think a really important part of it is actually just forgetting about it for like, um, you know, a month or a couple of weeks or whatever, because then you can come back to it and you're kind of coming back to it like a new person and you can kind of uh, see things in a new way or overcome problems you, you didn't think of before now we'll get more with richard graham in just a sec where we'll hear why he thinks artists express their ideas in different ways many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Welcome back to Writer's Routine. Uh, we'll get our distinguished diary in just a sec with the daily ritual of the playwright and the Academy Award-winning screenwriter, Sir Tom Stoppard. First, very quickly, let me remind you, if you want to keep across everything we're doing at Writer's Routine, you can do that on our website, which is writersroutine.com, and we update it all the time with all the episodes we've done so far. Uh, we've got easy ways that you can find the show as well and get in touch with, with questions for me, questions for future guests that you want to know about the practices of writing and also anything you really think about the show it's all good at writersroutine.com also drop us a follow on twitter where i humbly retweet every single morsel of praise that comes my way so i just let you know how good the show is really uh, we are at writers pod on there and you can get pictures you can get videos you can get teaser clips from all our interviews and a bucket load of hashtags over on instagram we are writers routine on there Right, Distinguished Diary time. Every week on the show, we get the daily routine of one of the most successful writers ever. Today, it's the playwright and Oscar award-winning screenwriter, Sir Tom Stoppard. Now, Sir Tom is known for plays like Arcadia, The Real Thing. He also wrote the screenplays for Shakespeare in Love, Brazil, loads more. He's got an Academy Award and some Tonys on the mantelpiece as well. And he's a procrastinator. A huge one. He says that the only thing that actually forces him to sit down and write is fear. And he kind of needs to be frightened to actually get down in front of the typewriter and stare at it for a few hours. Now, he usually stays up all night writing and smoking in his kitchen. He's a relentless chain smoker as well. Quite a wasteful one too. He's known for his uh, smoking method of taking two drags of a fag, stubbing it out, then immediately lighting up a brand new one. Now, he usually stays up all night writing and smoking in his kitchen in the dead, dark quiet while everyone else slept. He has, though, tried to rework this schedule over the years, and he did manage, from time to time, to sit at his desk, almost chain himself there, though, uh, and stay there from 10 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon, working. It never really works out, though. Gradually, he slips back into the old overnight routine, noting that he never really works in the morning unless he's in real trouble. Let's get back then to our guest on today's writer's routine, artist, illustrator and author now, Richard Graham, whose picture book, Cranky Caterpillar, is out right now. It's the story of one girl finding a caterpillar in her piano at home uh, and then they play music together before... I don't want to spoil the ending, but you kind of know what happens to caterpillars about halfway through their life, don't you? Uh, we're talking about his creativity and how this is Richard Graham by the way, not the cranky caterpillar. We're talking about his creativity and how he changes the type of work hat that he's got on. And also we talk about why he's a much better artist than I will ever be. I'm very interested in why people's brains work in different ways like that. Also, we find out how he makes sure that kids actually get his stories. Using onomatopoeia and alliteration and stuff like that is really important, especially for kids, because um, they can kind of see patterns emerge, um, which is really important for their learning and stuff. It's just about um, polishing it. So you might, you might write down a kind of a rough sentence and then come back to it, and then you just keep on playing around with it until it kind of feels right, and you can kind of um, you can sense that a kid is going to be responsive to that 
um, sentence and that they're going to get something out of it in, lo- in lots of different ways. So, yeah, you're right. I think that the, each word has to be really specific and really understandable and easy to read, yet also giving a direction. It's good to work from a story, and I've kind of learned that from the hard way around. I've written a couple of stories before where I've made sculptures and kind of had a rough rough story in mind but it hasn't really uh, come to fruition and I, I've tried to but I think like any advice to anyone is I would always try and start with a story because then you can then you've got like a skeleton that you can kind of work with at what point in your life did you make the decision you wanted to make money from art um well to be honest I don't really make that much money <laughs> <so>. <laughs> um I think it's more it's more sort of uh, trial and error about what, what what I've been good at and what I've been bad at. Like I'm I'm not very good with numbers. I can't. Uh, I, so I, I've I have never really bothered with the stock market or anything like that. But I do think I have a creative mind, and I think that my brain works in that kind of spontaneous way, which is which I think can be a good and a bad thing. I think if it, like when you're creating stuff, I think it can be really useful. Um, but I think in everyday life, having a spontaneous brain can be quite um, disabling because you can kind of get distracted and in all different sorts of ways when you should actually be focusing on something a bit mundane. D- does doing this as a job take away the spontaneity of your brain because you know you need to force through the creativity, you yeah. need to make things, you need to write the book, you need yeah. to build another sculpture. Uh, how do you deal with that challenge? Uh, are there any ways that you make yourself be more creative than perhaps you're feeling? Well, I try and be respectful of that. I try and be quite respectful of that process. If I'm not feeling creative, then I just just won't be. Um, And I do have other sort of things that I have to engage with. Like I do, I make quite a lot of commercial sculpture for window displays and and um, like places like Selfridges and things like that. They often need sculptures, and especially at Christmas time. Well, the lead up to Christmas, which is sort of now that palm tree downstairs is for a, a, a shop um yeah being respectful of the creative process and allowing yourself time to breathe and also coming back to the work with the fresh fresh eyes is really important um and i don't think it's a good idea to kind of push yourself force yourself to be creative although i do think it's a good idea to do it regularly it's not really a job it doesn't feel like a job i've got all my tools and all my paints and brushes and everything here and paper and and space and i kind of i kind of feel like it's like a a safety space for me and it's a nice place to come every day yeah just make stuff now i'm rubbish at art like i'm ghastly at it why do you think when we've both got fairly creative brains why do you think yours is in tune much more to drawing and building and creating in that way rather than yeah. mine is how does that work well, I I guess it's something to do with neuroscience, um, but I don't know anything about that. Um, like, so we've all got five senses, and maybe my visual sense is more stronger than my speaking sense. I mean, I'm not very good at speaking. I'm a bit nervous about <laughs> this radio session, really. But yeah, I think that there's no. I don't think there should be a hierarchy on the, on the how you're creative or anything like that. And I think that you should always try and go with what you're good at. So you're doing your thing and I'm doing mine. It's not just on the upcycling that you're different, though. I I mean, there are thousands of ways of picking up a pencil and simply drawing a line. Yeah. 
How do you define your style and do you think about it? Is it a conscious decision to draw the way you do or is that just what your brain tells you? Uh, I think it's just the way my brain brain tells me. It's probably about your like... Maybe if some people have got really long arms, they've got a slightly different style to people with short arms. (laughs) But um, I don't think about it. I don't think about my style. I mean, I try and be, like, neat, and I try and, like, get the form correct and colour it incorrectly. And I also like to reference... uh, You know, I also kind of, I guess, subconsciously emulate other artists that I'm kind of really drawn to. Uh, you know, I really like Picasso and David Hockney and mine's definitely more scratchy and um, I haven't been trained properly in drawing. I have never had some sort of mentor about drawing, so it's very much kind of uh, learned myself. What's the ultimate aim uh, uh, as for you as an artist, an illustrator, now a writer? Where would you like to end up? I think that I would like to end up in a place where... I've got complete creative freedom where I don't have to necessarily connect myself to like the commercial world and you just make things for that you love and that you make things that you that you really have no constraints on and there's no rules or regulations as to how you are creative like I mean like we were saying with the picture books there are so many especially for children there's so many uh, rules and regulations about how you conduct your creativity in that in that sort of small platform but that's not to say that i don't enjoy that i just i think that it would be um fantastic to just to make stuff which i do anyway so i don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) what would you do differently about a second picture book since writing your first what did you learn uh, about how you work about how maybe you could act better and work better what would you do differently yeah, I mean, the, writing the first picture book was a massive learning curve, and uh, this one I that I'm writing now, uh, it's all in sort of a quite relaxed rhyme, um, which I thought was missing from the first. Well, I think everyone kind of kind of look quite likes a, a rhyming picture book. This one's a bit more; it's got more rhymes, lyricalness to it, and um, there's more colour in this one there's like you said the the crank caterpillar does have quite dark tones and is a bit moody whereas this one's a bit more lively and it's definitely it's completely different to the last one which i really like as well and it's mr make it's called mr make yeah perfect well i'm very excited to see it uh thank you so much for having me over pleasure Right, so that is it for another writer's routine. Thank you so much to illustrator and writer Richard Graham. His book, Cranky Caterpillar, is out right now. You can even look around his studio in King's Cross in London at the Cranky Caterpillar Museum. And you can find out loads more about that, about his work, about how you can get into the studio over on his website, which is mrmake.co.uk. Now, we'll have loads of links to all of his stuff on our website, writersroutine.com. On there, you can listen to all of our old episodes as well, where you can get in touch with the show. Remember to find us on Twitter and Instagram and you can subscribe to the podcast as well. And if you leave us a review on the iTunes podcast store, that would seriously be like the greatest Christmas present ever for me uh, to go along with all the books that I imagine my family are currently getting me because they've discovered that I do a writing podcast. Uh, We've got a few weeks off right now as well. We're back in the new year with more tips and tricks from the most successful authors. Uh, So to keep across when we're back, make sure you do follow the show on Twitter. Uh, We'll have all the updates in the news on there for you we are at writers pod and i'll see you soon thanks for listening bye
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.